Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz-Tyson is available for Monday the 10th of January 2022 with me, Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, episode 368. Slightly hesitant there, my second week without wearing headphones as I record, just trying to get used to it, hoping to uh, just save my hearing, hoping that I can... uh, Avoid being hard of hearing for uh, a significant chunk of my life. Maybe uh, going without headphones for a while will help prolong the hearing. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. It's 09.36 hours here in London. My PC is telling telling me rain to stop. I haven't looked outside, but uh, it's certainly cold. It's been a really, really cold few days here in London. Saturday, the weather was dreadful. I'm glad it wasn't Monday because it was just uh, raining nonstop. And I actually spent all weekend indoors. Unusually for me, based on uh, recent months as I've tried to rebuild my life and some semblance of a a social life. Uh, Vitamin C little tablets swallowed, well, one swallowed with difficulty this morning. It's like training to be a drugs mule. They're huge. I don't know why they need to be so big, and that makes them very hard to swallow. I should have started off, I think, with smaller pills to swallow. Actually, what am I talking about here? Because the amount of prescription drugs I take daily, I've surely laid the groundwork to swallow most pills, but there is just a huge gulf size-wise between the average pill and the little vitamin C tablet. They are the size of bullets. Anyway, as I build up to my first hard swallow of the week, let me give you today's plan. I think that might have been it, actually, 0937, first hard swallow of the show. The plan today is to record this, to go out for a run, Got to go to the post office, sold another book on uh, eBay, though that sale was slightly undermined by something. If I remember later when I'm giving you the Star Wars football results, I'll I'll see if I can uh, remember remember it. Not making sense right now. Go to the post office then, post that uh, book. Need to pop into the opticians in Brixton, book an eye test. The eyes, uh, they can't go on any longer like this. I'm making so many spelling mistakes, which are quite rightly being picked up on uh, Twitter by a certain man who, whose, whose name I won't mention for a few minutes yet just to uh, heighten the anticipation there and go to the cafe after booking that eye test. On the run front, the park is very boggy right now. So my trainers, which I need to replace urgently, uh, are caked in mud. And what I try to do to be a decent neighbour is not walk in with all the mud from the shoes. I try to scrape the trainers as much as I can as I head back home. Although that might look like, you know, I've stepped in something. That's that kind of tragic visual man scraping trainers after uh, or shoes after stepping into some uh, dog mess early morning while before they woke up properly on their way to work. Uh, Don't know if I needed to expand on that. 
So I try to remove my trainers anyway, once I'm in the building. So I'm not leaving mud on the stairs. I mean, there are cleaners here every Thursday, but they don't do a good job in the communal hallways. But with the needles, some, someone has basically removed a Christmas tree and, you know, there are needles everywhere. An email went out last week that, uh, in their view, the person that sent it in their view, it was quite right that the cleaners declined to uh, hoover up the needles. It wasn't their job. I'm, 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 you know, I was slightly confused by that. I, I can, I get both sides of the argument. It's a bit messy getting rid of a Christmas tree, so you should clean up after yourself rather than rely on others even cleaners to clean up but if you're a cleaner I'm not sure why you wouldn't clean the needles unless there's something specific in your contract saying come Christmas time don't bother cleaning up any Christmas tree needles it means though that right now there are so many needles in the communal hallways Christmas tree needles that I'm not removing my trainers I'm just walking right up to to my flat I'm not going to get my socks my running socks covered in needles I'm not going to spend my time having to remove the needles which means I'm going to be touching socks that have been making contact with the communal hallway more building work as well in the pipeline of course building work carried over from um, December 2020 that awful month when I had uh, work going on inside the flat during the peak of the pandemic and uh, these are what they call snags things that still haven't been fixed of course there is the uh, leaking ceiling also that still needs to be sorted out so there's more disruption on the way which I'm not really happy about of course it's been dragging on for years this housekeeping anyway let's tackle the elephant in the room last week's new competition resulted in zero entries you know the competition I'm talking about and I can tell you that I know that Mickey was very disappointed, perhaps more disappointed than I was. Of course, uh, these days, he is passing himself off as an author. He's like the uh, he's like that actor, I think it's Martin Ferrero, the New York-born Latin American actor who played the memorable Izzy Moreno. I think I've got his name right. I hope I haven't confused him with the original lieutenant from Miami Vice. Uh, Izzy Moreno was uh, Q Wikipedia here, an informant with a malapropism infused cu- uh, Cuban accent and involved in a variety of outlandish business ventures. Every week, this is me now, Moreno had a different money-making venture. That is Mr. Boyd, though of course he may not be aware as he undertakes his latest venture that there is very little money in being uh, a scribbler. You and I uh, both know that. Speaking of which, his nemesis, the kid, really cheesed me off on Friday, Uh, sent me a a text. He doesn't do WhatsApp now. I don't know if that's because he's now reached his mid-30s and and decided that he needs to be mature, a bit more mature, and that a sign of maturity is to uh, turn his back on the instant messages that have obsessed him for most of his life. Doesn't do email, remember. Anyway, he uh, praised one of my latest football shows. Then in his next text, are you working? And this is something that creators constantly have to deal with. And I just got back to him and I said, you do know that writing and making those shows that you listen to, that is working. He came back to me. Oh, you know what I mean. I just, I can't get to grips with that nine to five on the program thinking if you're a nine to fiver absolutely fine if it works for you if you get enough out of it if you're able to buy the things that you want that make you happy 
absolutely no problem with it. It's not something that makes me happy or has ever made me happy. And that's why I've got to this age, having made a lot of sacrifices, having made a lot of mistakes, but also enjoyed quite a few highs as a result of being a a writer and persisting with this life and uh, chasing my dream and trying to fulfill my ambitions. It is working. I am working. This show is working. Now, you may be getting it for free. You may decide it's not worth paying for. You may think that everything on the internet is free and therefore you don't need to pay for it. You may not be able to grasp that a writer, a podcaster, a creator also needs to pay their bills. So that, that that's on you. That's nothing to do with me. That doesn't mean my work isn't working. It doesn't mean my work isn't good. It just means that you don't place a value on it. And I was saying all this to the kid in a text, Uh, just putting him in his place there because it's just really tiring. Being a creator, that is work. That is work. And I've always thought that I work harder than most nine to fivers because I had to, because I was a creator, because I would go to the man having already done my work in the morning. I didn't want to go to the man at 1000 hours full of creativity in my head and not able to follow through on that during the nine to five days. So I would get up earlier, go to the cafe, do a couple of hours writing, and then I'd do a couple of hours writing in the evening. Of course, the downside of that is you end up single. Who's going to put up with that kind of life? Who's going to build a life with you if you're always working? That's the downside of it. But don't tell me I'm not working. That's just uh, unacceptable. And I I just, that that kind of thinking, uh, it's, it's such a working class way to think too. I'm a working class guy, but the limitations we put on ourselves and our, our limited thinking, it does frustrate me. Talking of the man, the evening stroke night work that I had lined up fell through. Having got the role, it fell through at the last minute because of changes. It was a COVID-related job and because of the changes last week, which I was completely unaware of, would have an impact on the role that... Uh, Return to the man isn't happening right now. And I'm frustrated, really. You know, it wasn't something that I was necessarily doing for the money. The money would have come in useful, but it wasn't going to be life-changing. It was just a case of that after a long time, I would have found a role that would have worked for me. Let me take my hat off. I'm really hot now. I'm wearing, uh, I think, let me just count. One, two, three, four, five, six. Got six tops on, taking the hats off. Got long johns on, tracksuit bottoms as well, double socked. Wearing a scarf all weekend indoors. I think I've forgotten where I was. Oh, frustrating. Yeah, frustrated not to be taking on this um, this evening stroke night job, which was, uh, I think, due to start tonight, just because it would have got a whole bunch of people off my back and creatively it would have dovetailed nicely with all my projects and now I kind of have to start searching again for something. I just do not want to return to nine to five, so I'm really frustrated. And the thought of, while I had the role, you know, and I was just waiting for them to come back to me to tell me when I would start, it was really fueling my creativity. Even though I think I'm very creative at the moment, it was just, I could feel the benefit of it. It was, okay, I can do this now, I can do that, I can do this, I'll be able to do this this way rather than that way. And uh, yeah, I really needed that. So that's a bit um, disappointing. I was going to tell you something else now, which has already slipped my mind. No, that's it. On, uh, On the run, Friday's run, 
by then I, I, I knew that uh, I wasn't going to be returning to the man as yet. And I was a bit disappointed about that opportunity because it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for the writing, for the creative work, the way that uh, job was set up. So I was a bit disappointed, but the run, as difficult as it was, as cold as it was, cleared my head a bit and I came back, glass half full again, topped up, and uh, I sent an email to a particular person, which was a really positive thing to do, again, uh, related to uh, the writing. And if I hadn't got on that run, if I hadn't cleared my head the way I cleared it, and the only way to clear it was with a run, that email wouldn't have been sent. And that really is why I run more than the fitness side of it. It's the mental side of it. Let me give you my books now that I've uh, read this week. I've read about three books this week. The last two, Jack the Ripper's Streets of Terror, Life During the Reign of Victorian London's Most Brutal Killer. There's a title. This is a new take on the Jack the Ripper story. This is the blurb. This is not me agreeing with that. Focusing on the people who lived through the Ripper's Reign of Terror, it shows what happened when familiar London streets suddenly became the hunting grounds of a monster. It's a hardback a massive size, very awkward size, good read, but very uncomfortable. I mean, uncomfortable to handle. The content itself, obviously true crime. You feel a bit of a ghoulish tourist, not easy to reconcile that. But I mean, the book itself, Second Hard Swallow, 0949. The book itself, very uncomfortable to handle. Had it not been a library book, I would have had it resting on my knees. But I was holding it in my latex gloves, hovering, trying to keep it off my knees. But it was a very heavy book. I'm mindful, you know, I, I was I was just keeping an eye on every page I turned, making sure there wasn't any hair or debris coming off the pages, which is not unusual with library or pre-owned books, secondhand books to you and me, of course. I did have to strip the bed once late night too, after some mystery hair fell out of a library book onto the mattress cover a few years back and I couldn't locate the hair. Imagine, imagine being a body hair and your journey takes you from your host's body into the pages of some disheveled library book. What a journey that is. The second book I'm reading, I've almost finished it. I finished that first book, uh, The Ripper's Streets of Terror. I'm reading another Titan title, The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, The Back to Front Murder. Started it on Saturday, almost finished it, 256 pages. Not my favourite of these, I have to say. Not, you know, I've got into it, but it's not I wouldn't say it's one of the better ones. May 1898, a new client arrives at Baker Street. Abigail Moon, a wealthy independent writer of successful mystery stories under a male pseudonym. She presents an unusual problem. Abigail claims that she devised a man's death that was reported in that morning's newspaper. That is, she planned his murder as an event to be included in one of her mystery stories. Following real people and imagining how she might murder them and get away with it is how Abigail comes up with her plots. But this victim has actually died, apparently of the poison method she meticulously planned, planned even, in her notebook. Someone is trying to frame Abigail for his death, but with the evidence stacking up against her, she turns to Holmes to prove her innocence. It's a decent enough book, but I'm looking forward to reading the uh, the next book book just trying to stop all these notifications on my phone just had another one i think this is discord i need to uh sort out the settings there last week moving on from books last week 5th of january uh when was rubbish bins collection that was on the 3rd of january i think it might have been tuesday actually the 4th of january when the rubbish was being collected i saw on the side of the rubbish uh vehicle collection vehicle something along the lines of could you just use one bin bag a week 
And right away, my answer was no. And I'll tell you why. And I'm not disputing that it would be better for the environment. Of course it would be, but it's impractical. You've got the smell of the rubbish for a start. If you're in a flat, that's going to be a real problem for you. It might attract rodents, though this flat is uh, so cold that uh, the rodents, as things stand, have left. And I, I don't blame them, I have to say. But you've got the smell for a start. That's going to be a problem. If you have visitors over, that's not going to be a great way to sell your flat, is it? And uh, the traps, if you have to start buying mouse traps, they're going to cost money. I wouldn't be fanning around with humane traps. You know, I just want the things gone. So there is a cost aspect too. So I don't know who comes up with this stuff. Sometimes sometimes I feel that, and, and I've heard this on a radio show recently, and I do think it's it's worth noting I think we're all agreed that there is a problem with the environment, that we are living at a time of serious climate change. Absolutely. I mean, in our own lifetime, the weather has changed dramatically in this country. And I, as with most people, I want to do my bit and I do my bit every day. But there are just some things you think, yeah, that idea has been put forward by someone with money, someone living in a decent house, someone that isn't working class someone who has money to to spare and is able to do everything they can for the environment. But not all of us are in that position. You're not going to get everybody on board with doing what they need to do to tackle climate change if you're coming up with things like this that are just not practical. You can't leave your rubbish in your flat, in your tiny cold flat that might have a rodent problem. You can't leave it in there for a week. Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available, episode 368. I'm now down to four tops. I was just getting too hot, so it's taken me a while to remove all the tops. Busted uh, one zip on my fleece because I, for months I've just been putting on three or four tops at a time to save time, but uh, along the way broke the zip of the all-important fleece, which has meant unable now to pull the zip up on the fleece. I'm having to use the scarf indoors at the weekends anyway. That's just all. Do you need to know that? Probably not. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 1607 West facebook.com forward slash DRT available, DanielRuizTyson.com for all my work. There are coffee.com and PayPal links on there if you don't want to support the show or can't support the show on Patreon but uh, are able to make the odd donation via those links. We'll just let this uh, great time in there. Sound of South London. Just let these guys go past i hope it's a genuine emergency let's see if they carry on so they've gone past the building i think that's them speeding off but the siren hasn't come back on that is what it is like to live on this particular corner of this ridiculously busy road so coffee.com paypal links at danielruistyson.com if you're able to make a donation to support this work you can do so via those links and I'll retransfer any bonus content to you on the day. And of course, there is the all-important Patreon page that keeps this show alive, patreon.com forward slash DRT available. There are around 50 or 60 bonus shows on there. Appreciate those of you who continue to support the podcast. Along with a reading, I've been watching the odd bit of 
TV, really. Uh, Newsnight hasn't quite found its stride yet after the Christmas break. There was that strange moment. It was Thursday or Friday. It was very Alan Partridge, Faisal Islam and uh, Lewis Goodall. You'll find it on YouTube where Faisal Islam turns around and is about to walk those silly steps. I don't know why Newsnight have those steps in their studio because inevitably one day one of the female presenters in their heels is going to stumble over that and it's going to be a a YouTube classic forever. But Faisal Islam turned around and it almost seemed staged like they were having a funny moment. Lewis Goodall wasn't there. The desk was empty and Faisal Islam, who, you know, is a great reporter. He's getting better as a presenter, but it's not his forte at the moment presenting and he looked absolutely lost. It was painful to watch. Anyway, apart from Newsnight, I'm watching Southland As I said to you, I think before in recent weeks, it's the most underrated cop show I've ever seen. This is the fifth and final series that I'm watching. I'm now on the final episode again. I've seen these before and they're just so good that I've actually stopped watching Succession for now. And what I'm going to do, because I started re-watching Southland from series four and five, which were the best, I'm now going to revisit series one to three. It's just an extraordinary show with some extraordinary performances. Moving on, hygiene fail of the week, Thursday 6th of January, 11.15 hours, a delivery driver dragging a canvas bag across South Lambeth Road. No wheels on it, just dragging the, the, well, it was a box, a canvas box, big canvas box, no doubt the deliveries, the contents were in that box, but just dragging it along the ground on South Lambeth Road, SW8, more dog mess on the road. In fact, I think And it will be a recurring theme or has been a recurring theme in recent shows and today will be no different. I do think with the pandemic, we've seen a spike in dog muck on the roads. Uh, I haven't seen that for a long time. And I'm just wondering what is going on as people's discipline, as the dog owners, the average dog owner's discipline just slipped now. I mean, rather than spoiling our parks, they're now doing it on the road again and just leaving it littering our pavements. So anyway, as I say, I don't think I'm done with the dog muck on this episode. In the afternoon, Thursday afternoon, this is uh, still on Thursday. I had a physio appointment for the shoulder. Got to continue with my exercises that uh, I learned in the physio classes, which were really good, actually. I have to say that those four classes were very good. Uh, If in six months there's no improvement, then it might be hard to avoid the cortisone jab, but I am doing all I can to avoid another one of those. On my way back, I was walking south. Here it comes. I was walking south on Cold Harbour Lane and right outside a takeaway, a fancy takeaway part of the new Brixton. There was an eight metre stretch of trodden in dog muck. And inexplicably, there was still a queue to get into that takeaway. Who on earth lines up next to dog muck to get some fast food? How is your appetite not ruined by that visual? Is that takeaway that good that you don't mind to stand alongside this appetite ruining visual? And uh, there was no sign on the takeaways part of any inclination to clean the pavement. And of course, it wouldn't be their responsibility. But we're in a pandemic. Businesses are struggling. Surely you might uh, step out there with a mop, bucket of water, that can be thrown away and replaced cheaply because you wouldn't be able to use those things again and just get rid of that awful, awful visual. Another hygiene fail, 7th of January, 10, 16 hours. Outside that news agents I've mentioned once before a, a while back, it sells, it's got this curious sign 
on the door, we sell heated tobacco. There was a trophy dog untethered waiting outside for its owner, its entire lead on the ground. I did almost see a fight on Railton Road. That might have been, I think it was Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon? I think it was, sorry, Thursday. Yeah, Thursday afternoon, I think, on the way to the physio when a a young kid had uh, bitten off more than he could chew with a rather rough local white guy with a very striking grey goatee, no tash, and the white guy who who looked like he might have had a drink problem somewhere along the line had that classic uh, witch's chin that is associated with alcoholics. And uh, he screamed at the kid, bring it which I think uh, if someone says bring it, which sounds great, bit of a cliche. Someone says bring it, though. They are very serious and very agitated, and you, you might be best advised to, to swerve the fight. There were three of us walking towards this scenario at that point. Now, outside of a pandemic, despite the guy being not someone you would probably wish to mess with, you might try and step in, intervene, see if you could defuse the situation. I think it would have been very difficult with this guy, but in a pandemic and the guy wasn't masked and the kid had taken off his mask, you're thinking, no, I'm not I'm not getting involved in something like that. It was a snapshot of old Brixton. You don't really see that too much now, but uh, these guys are still around and uh, every now and then you will see something like this, which was pretty much par for the course 30 or 40 uh, years ago. Now, I've forgotten what else I was going to say. Dreams. Let me move on to dreams, see if I remember what I've just forgotten. One dream. I've had a few dreams this week, and I can only vaguely remember them. One dream I was singing with the Pet Shop Boys, or was meant to be singing on stage with them, but didn't know the lyrics. I think that might have recalled my uh, stand-up efforts of uh, seven or eight years ago when I would quite frequently forget my own material. Then I had another dream. This one was about the kids I never had. And it was located at my aunt's old place on the Angel Town in Brixton. And my mum was there. And I'd had a kid, no partner in sight, just this baby that uh, I never got to hold in this dream. And my mum and aunt were taking it in turns to hold the baby and coo over it. And I feel like as I edge towards the end of my life, my, my, my dream state has commandeered a showreel of alternative lives I could have had to to taunt me with at night to say this is what you might have had if you'd chosen a, a different route if you decided not to be a writer and given yourself over to nine to five the next dream involved a classmate uh, from my school days myself and uh, Mr Boyd uh, Paul Penny left-handed left-sided completely left-sided uh, left-footer and uh, I remember in the second year, I don't know what you call it now, year 12? What is it? I don't know those new uh, academic year references. But I remember that it was him who gave me a fascination with a sinister handed. And I used to grill him about it all the time. And he'd get quite annoyed eventually. But brilliant footballer, lovely guy, good friend at school. Probably aside from uh, Mr. Boyd, the only guy I would I wished I'd stayed in touch with from secondary school because it was a really rough place would have been uh, this guy Paul Penny and he was incredibly strong as well he didn't look it but he was incredibly strong incredibly hard he was one of those quiet guys that even the 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 bullies weren't sure about and they had every right not to be sure about him because he was a a hard guy no doubt I'll get a message from uh, 
Mr. Boyd later saying he wasn't that hard. He was. He was that hard. Then last night, another dream. Mickey and I were on our last day at secondary school. And I remember that the last day at secondary school, we were together and we we left in very low-key fashion. It was like, what are we doing? This is it. Five years over, just like that. We just walked out of the playground and that was it. And in this dream, we were leaving the school and I lost sight of him. And I wondered if that was a callback to the fact that 18 months after school, we did lose touch for 11 years. We'd gone to this uh, Makita tournament at Wembley in 1989, which featured Porto, Liverpool, Arsenal. I can't remember the other team. And then I think we'd met and gone to Tower Records as well at some point, which might have been before the Makita tournament, I think. But by 1990, that was it. We lost touch for 11 years. And of course, you know, my... my Ability, scratching my beard here, you're probably picking that up at your end. My ability to stay in uh, touch with uh, school friends was compromised by the fact we didn't have a house phone, so I'd always have to go and use a public phone box. And, you know, Mickey by then was already working uh, in his first job. In the dream last night, I managed to catch up with him and we went to his old estate in SWA, the Mercer estate, and I uh, might have pronounced that incorrectly. And in this dream, he was living with his gran rather than mum. Dramatic license there on the dreams part. I stayed outside as Mickey went in. There was dog muck on the walkway. And, you know, does anyone in this country dream more about dog muck than me? Because this stuff haunts me. Why is it in every dream I'm having right now? What is going on actually I didn't even give you the dream about Paul Penny that's where my mind is just jumped from one dream to the next without completing the first dream in the Paul Penny dream him and Kevin Keegan were dragging giant felled trees across some park that was it that was it that's all I needed to say to complete it that was the dream nectar points now might need to be buying another used book for an interview I've just nailed down uh, a very big interview for when shorts were short, but it's going to involve buying more research materials. So that show is just costing me a bloody arm and a leg. Right. I think my last trip, very unprofessional to the rattling paper on audio, but uh, I've got to clean these. Well, I've got to clean my hands after handling these receipts because I had to get a refund, which I'll explain now. And the all of my receipts were heavily manhandled by the uh, very camp checkout guy at Sainsbury's on, on the 5th. Okay, so my opening balance going into this was 114 points. I have earned a few points on eBay this week. I'm not sure how many of these are factored into this uh, this uh, Nectar Points count on this receipt from the 5th of January. I So I went in with 114 points, bought some washing up liquid, 55p, some smoked ham, one pound, but I got charged one pound 20, coming to that in a minute. I th- can't remember how many bananas I bought, might have been three or four, they came to 49p, total cost 224 and two nectar points to bring my new points balance to 116 points worth 58 pence. I'd noticed that I'd been overcharged for the ham, 20p as the checkout guy said to me, 20p is 20p, got the refund. And that meant I had to stick my card in again. And they reclaimed a nectar point. So they took a nectar point off me for that uh, 20, 20p refund. Disappointing there. So in fact, my final nectar points balance this week is 115 points, which are worth 57 
P. Stayed on nectar points. I saw my aunt and uncle, I think it was on Thursday, and my aunt had been sitting on a, a thousand bonus nectar points, but she didn't know they had to be used by New Year's Day, and she was gutted about that. I I think I could have lived for about a month as I tweeted on a thousand nectar points. And, you know, she's got, I think, something like 37,000 nectar points, but I left there about an hour later. And uh, she was still banging on about losing out on these uh, nectar points. It's, uh, I think it's going to torture her. It's a, it's a simple thing. It said 1st of January 2022. You have to, you have to use them by then. I, I, you know, it, it's about as clear as it can be. So she's going to have to live with uh, losing 1,000 bonus points for the rest of the year. Star Wars football. Been a busy week for uh, Star Wars football. A lot of transfer speculation as well and a lot of uh, eBay... Um, eBay activity going on with that. I'm still sitting on quite a few Star Wars figures that I haven't managed to sell, but I am selling some books. DVDs, it's very hard to make money on DVDs on eBay, really, so I'm having to do free postage uh, for those. Europa League semi-finals, second leg. Death Star travel to Mos Eisley. These are the two favourites for the Europa League, but they were drawn in the semi-finals, uh, semi-finals against each other. Moz Eisley won, Death Star won. Moz Eisley took the lead. Death Star equalised with a low drive from Snowtrooper, the young playmaker, back in the team. Uh, good game. Death Star will be confident of uh, going through in the second leg, but don't count against uh, Moz Eisley. They're playing well this season, playing better in this Europa League this year than they were in Silver Age Season 5. Champions League semi-final first leg two. Really strong matches. X-Wing v Tatooine in the first leg. Add X-Wing, the all-domestic clash in the semi-finals. And uh, I'll swallow there. 10-21. Might struggle to edit that out as I'm coming towards the end of the show. Final score, X-Wing 1, Tatooine 2. Tatooine are taking the lead through Zuckus after five minutes. Just his fourth goal of the season for the young attacker, mercurial attacker. Uh, X-Wing equalised, Silver Droid, Tatooine's veteran goalkeeper sent off on 27 minutes for a second handball offence. And uh, Joe Globy, X-Wing's skipper, took the penalty, put X-Wing level. 30 seconds later, opportunist strike from Medical Droid, the Tatooine, or Tatooine, which pronunciation am I going with? From Medical Droid Cave, Tatooine, Gave, 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 get your diction right. Gave Tatooine a 2-1 first leg win at X-Wing. They'll be strong favourites to go through. Remember, Tatooine are the defending champions looking to win a third consecutive Champions League. Last night in the other semi-final, Zepho, the surprise package this season, and Endor played out a goalless draw. Meantime, in transfer speculation, I've been trying to replace for a long time my Luke Skywalker, Bespin Fatigues action figure who's been broken since 1982, carved out a career after I sellotaped his legs, became a very unique player, very unique style playing with his head because he can't move his legs. But prior to that, he was a you know very good... Well, I mean, he's, he's a great player now, but he had to change his style. He's become the prototype for an injured player and how they can recover. The first season of Star Wars football, he was the young captain of Death Star, never played a single game in that first season. Death Star got relegated... And he was actually sold to Hoth, who'd been promoted for the 83-84 season. And he was their captain, but never played a single game for his hometown club, Death Star. And then a year later, he moved to Tatooine, where he's now become their most successful captain. 
usurping their great leader and greatest ever player, C3. P.O., but I've been looking to bring in to replace uh, that action figure. Not necessarily replace them, but at least replace them in the action figure stakes and see what I can do with the player. Would Bezbin Luke become the manager of Tatooine? In fact, it looks like he's going to become the player manager of Hoth. And the new Bespin Luke would come in and take over at Tatooine. A sort of regeneration, if you like, Doctor Who style. It's happened before with the hand solos at X-Wing. Now, I bought a, a Bespin Luke for a decent price on eBay. Came uh, Arrived on Saturday, cleaned him up properly, you know, under the taps, uh, washing up liquid anti-back wipes and antibacterial spray. And... Rather disappointedly for me, he was loose-limbed, which isn't very good for Star Wars football. You know, I bought a Greedo a couple of years ago, and he's been disappointing because he's loose-limbed. And a lot of the figures now are loose-limbed anyway, wear and tear. You know, remember that I'm asking my Star Wars figures to do something that Star Wars vintage action figures don't do. You know, so the wear and tear on some of the older figures this season is starting to be a problem. And, you know, a few of them will need to be replaced. So right away, I made a decision. No, I'm not replacing one of the greatest players in Star Wars football history with this loose limbed guy. I need someone who's uh, stiff limbed. And I had a few um, email, uh, sorry, eBay exchanges with potential sellers. Found one, bought it some six pounds down. Need to make up that money by selling the existing loose limbed uh, figure. The plan is that he would go to Hoth to replace Han Solo, who will return to his spiritual home of X-Wing. His last game for X-Wing was uh, the 1984 Christmas Cup final. He scored a deciding penalty against uh, Bespin that won them what is regarded the greatest ever game in Star Wars football history. 88, who's only been at Hoth for a season, one of their few plus points this season, who just spent a year at Alderaan last season. He looks like he might be moving to Tatooine in exchange uh, Boosh of X-Wing has said that she won't be returning to her former club Tatooine Sherpa could be leaving X-Wing in that swap for Han Solo Han Solo going to X-Wing Sherpa moving to Hoth that would be a good move for Hoth K250 has confirmed that he'll be staying for Silver Age 7 that will be his sixth season with Hoth we're currently bottom trying to think of other deals at the moment those are the big deals the others uh, escape me at the moment if i remember them i'll come back to it before the show is out actually let me just i can see my internet searches here i've got something that i'm not too sure about i've just got to check the name chirper was set to stay at x-wing but the fact is that solo and chirper i'm just typing if you don't mind i'm just trying to confirm this uh, search, yeah, it was right. Okay, that was right. So Chirper and Han Solo, the reason X-Wing may not be keen to have them together is because they did spend a while together at Death Star and uh, Death Star didn't really win much with both of those guys. I think by the time they won their second FA Cup in the Silver Age, Solo had already gone to Hoth. Okay, the cafe. Not much on the cafe this week. It was just open for three days last week and there wasn't much going on there. It reopened on Wednesday the 5th. I cashed in my free coffee that day. Stayed for three coffees. Decent writing session. More distracted on the Thursday because I was trying to work out my sums to see if it was uh, financially viable to return to the man to take on this evening job. And my cousin was helping me with all the details there. Like, a you know, uh, my accountant because uh, I just couldn't work out the sums. You know what I'm like with numbers. Unless it's very clear, like with this show, 40 downloads a week, even I can grasp that. But when you're starting to work out if you're going to be better off by taking a job or not, that really uh, did need uh, some help with that. 
And all that time spent on trying to work that out, and it came to nothing, unfortunately. So it was a decent writing session on Wednesday, uh, not so much on the Thursday. I've started pulling in my chair in the cafe with my feet, minimizing anything I'm handling, you know, just making sure I, I clean my hands regularly. On Wednesday, I exchanged names with a mullet, wondered if him and the beard had been discussing the fact I'd exchanged names with a beard, who I think has completely forgotten my name. And maybe if they had exchanged this information, the mullet might be wondering, well, do you think he's going to ask me my name? Yeah, give him time. I think he's, you know, he's, he's coming out of his shell a bit, the beard might have said. The mullet, when he gave me his name, thankfully had anglicized his name. I'd asked him while he was stamping my card. I gave him my name, but I wasn't sure that he got my name. When someone gives me their name, I always repeat it once in front of them, just so they know I've got it. The reverse never happens. I'd like to see that. Just for once, I'd like to see that. And over the 20, 21 years, none of the waiters have ever asked me my name. It's always me leading on it. Is this normal? The beard has opted for a new look for 2022, shaved undercut and a man bun. Doesn't quite work, possibly too old for it, but he does have a great head of hair to be fair to him. Forgot to say that I led on the New Year's uh, greetings in the cafe. I was worried because when the cafe had reopened briefly on New Year's Eve, as I left, I gave the New Year's Happy New Year greeting to all the waiters and Seb K. When I saw him outside, he was coming back from the shop, I think, with some uh, change. And I thought, well, they might think we've already done this. Why are you doing it again? But I did uh, exchange... New Year's Eve greetings again with early Jim. I exchanged them with Phil Collins. It was really awkward. She was going through the motions. I made the mistake of not having any eye contact. So I, I think, uh, you know, she's uh, she's a bit shy. She's a bit socially awkward, certainly with English customers. And yeah, I, I got that wrong. That was that was painful. Internet searches, dermatology heavy searches this week. Let me give you a few of them. A trophic plaque. Who killed Annie Millwood? That's a new video on the Jack the Ripper tour. Interesting because Annie Millwood was one of the first uh, victims, forgotten victims of the Whitechapel murders. I think I'm not even sure if she's grouped in that, but it could have been almost a trial run for the Ripper, you know, while he worked out his uh, MO. There was a few of those, but the Annie Millwood one was a new one to me. And I think this one, of all those pre-August 1888 murders in the area, I think this is the one that really does bear the hallmarks of the Ripper. I'll swallow 10.30 hours. Elevated Verrucus plaque, Lichen planus pigmentus. I mean, the names and some of these uh, dermatology searches. Uh, Group Home, East New York Theory, great hip-hop track from 1996. None of that commercial Drake, Peter Crouch podcast business here. And that brings us to the end of the show. That is the end of this week's show. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson, and this start of the week, I have been available. 